Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Our guest is a strategic communications expert. She has worked with over 100,000 people on their personal brand, content creation and lead tribe building. Her clients include some of the world's leading experts in their field as well as iconic brands such as Virgin Australia, Lego, Ikea, Rio Tinto and Origin Energy. She has interviewed people like Seth Godin on her own podcast, The Jane Anderson Show, and has been featured in the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, Sky Business News and on Sunrise. She's also on Forbes Coaches Council, known for helping people to become prolific. And she recently helped over 500 influencers create $50 million worth of IP or intellectual property in two days. Holy moly. Today's guest is the wonderful Jane Anderson. Jane has recently been voted in the top three branding experts globally. She has been nominated for multiple international and local awards for marketing and women in business, including the Telstra Business Women's Awards and Queensland Voices Awards for Women Leading Change. Her LinkedIn profile is one of the top 1% viewed globally. She's the author of seven books, including Catalyst Content, Creating a Piece of Purposeful Content in less than 10 minutes. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Uh, it is jam-packed full of gold nuggets. And let's dive in. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife, and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team, and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Made For More podcast. I have got an amazing guest on today. I am very honoured and excited to have the wonderful Jane Anderson on today. And uh, if you are listening, you are in for an absolute treat, I am sure. So welcome, Jane. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Ali. Fabulous. Uh, Before we get too far into it, Jane, are you able to share where you've come from and where you're going? Yeah, sure. So so I'm based in, in Brisbane in Australia, so you probably maybe have some listeners who are local or overseas, but, but I grew up in northern New South Wales, so most of my life was growing up with in hippies and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So I'm sort of a, a, a country beachy uh, background is sort of where I've come from, and I moved to Brisbane when I, was, when I was 18, when I finished university. But a big part of when I was growing up was that I worked you know, I loved working part-time and I loved jobs and working and earning my own money. But what I did do is from the age of 14, I worked for a family called the Mathers family. And the Mathers mm. family, a shoe chain that started here in, in Brisbane. And the owner, so Sir Robert Mathers, was one of my very first mentors. So I worked for the family for 15 years. And so their personal brand, you know, like this part of branding, you know, there was no sort of thing called a personal brand many years ago, but they did it. Everybody has one and they had theirs. And it was, you know, a big part of that was the, the brand, their name was their business and also their reputation in the community. And when Sir Robert was knighted, you know, that was around Expo 88 time and 
oh, that was a long time ago, kind of showing my age, but, you know, I was really fortunate to grow up working with a family that really understood what your name means in the community and, and leading community. So they were very involved and, you know, they're like family to me. So I'm still friends and still catch up with them a lot. So, and I was very fortunate to know, I, I went on to run stores. So I went on to uh, work for Sir Robert's youngest daughter and I was her area manager running her stores. And my job really was to maintain the family reputation and the brand and the consistency of the delivery of the service and the family values. And so as a result, so I did that right from high school through university and, uh, and then I went on to work as a HR advisor in, in government and uh, so I was based in Toowoomba and covered like Thargaminda and Charleville and all those sorts of places and Harvey Bay and Maryborough. Uh, but then I went on to uh, my last corporate role was the learning and development manager for Super Retail Group. So Super Cheap Auto, BCF, Gold Cross Cycles, ah. Race Outdoors. So I looked after the people capability for around 10,000 people and um, built the leadership programs there. And a big part of that was building personal brand of leaders and being able, and it was part of the retention strategy uh, to keep those leaders ready because they had a massive growth strategy. Yeah. And there's a lot of investment put into those leaders to keep them for the next five to eight years was my job to help them do that. So very involved in online learning and rollouts right through to executive coaching and all that sort of side of things and then from there I really but I'd always wanted to have my own my own business and my own practice and so 10 years ago uh, I started doing that and yeah I just started you know doing it on Saturday mornings and Monday nights and you know things like that and then ever since then I really started off with career as a career practitioner and career counseling so but a big part of that was, again, helping people build their brand and communicate their value to be able to get their jobs and stuff like that. And today, now it's working. So I work across with experts in their field, so speakers, trainers, coaches, consultants, and helping them to build their brand, their thought leadership, their IP, and build their communities and tribes. And then I also work within corporate and work with leaders, also universities, researchers, academics, in building their thought leadership to create commercial ventures and opportunities with uh, research, inst- within, like research institutes and collaborations with uh, industry. And uh, speak at conferences, write a few books, and that sort of chews up my time pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, just relax in all of that in-between time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I actually met at one of your speaking events or at the That's Professional right. Speakers Association yeah. way back when, you know, the beginning of the year when, when that was still happening. And I think I heard you speak in a few of the other certified speaking professionals or CSPs. Yes. And I was like, wow, I need to get amongst these people because they're, they're <laughs> talking about some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, what I'd love to talk about today, and um, you touched on just in your intro just now, was around the retention strategy for leaders in corporate. And I think this mm. is something that we don't really talk about enough or don't put enough weight on is, you know, in this day and age where we can kind of find information and find new jobs and go career hopping is we really undervalue the value of retaining some really good people. So can you talk me through, I mean, a little bit around the strategy um, for that group, but also what it was with the standout points around why it was so important to retain um, good leaders? Yeah, so it was a really interesting time. So back then it was so nearly 10 years ago, so it was 2009, 2010, um, and there are a few things that were going on. So at the time, 
Super Retail Group was headed up by Peter Bertels, who was also um, CEO of the year, uh, voted CEO of the year, an extraordinary CEO and the most amazing CEO I've ever worked for. And he had a really clear vision that um, very committed to people and, and within the organisation, but they had an aggressive growth strategy and it was coming off the back of the GFC. So they identified that, okay, we've got as much as we've been able to do, say, store-wise with the super retail stores. Now what we have to do is now bring on other brands. So at the time, they they had BCF at the time, but what they did was they they went through an acquisitions phase. So acquiring Gold Cross Cycles and Raise Outdoors. Uh, they since went on to acquire Amart Sports and Rebel Sport. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there was, and, you know, they had great supply chains, great, you know, really understanding the retail space and they were growing really quickly. And so the biggest challenge, there were a few challenges at the time. One was at a store level where we had an issue. We had 75% of our team members at the time were millennials and they were, we had a turnover, they would typically turn over sort of around the six-month mark, which was not Mm. good. We had a real problem. So my job, first of all, was to tackle that problem and that was to put better capability training opportunities in place for managers. So that was sort of the one of the first steps of really the foundation of, of the pipeline of talent for the future of the organisation, particularly because of the acquisitions phase. So there was there was that and core capability. Then the second part was looking at the next level of leaders in the organisation, so getting them ready for the executive team. So they were sort of, if you said, you know, tier three leaders, store level, say tier four. So -hmm. if you said this tier three, you needed to get them ready for tier two. That was, that was, uh, they were usually 12-month projects and there are a few things that, one was that the big thing with that brand is that you've got also the issue of silos and not having yes. a, a, um, economies of scale that was an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, so a few things that we worked on, one was leadership identity, so who they were as a leader and helping them to really knuckle down into, well, who am I and what am I trying to achieve and so that they could also see their alignment with their own purpose and with the organisational purpose and feel really connected to that. Yeah. Another part of that, and they hadn't done anything like that uh, before, so this was really quite new. The other part to that was getting them working together. So part of that was increasing the scene, putting in projects where they could work together to increase um, efficiencies and save money, like be- getting better buying rates on products. Like, for mm-hmm. example, if you had a one of the issues with opportunities that was found as one of the projects, the, the buyer who buys car batteries, who was buying them for, for the super retail stores, mm-hmm. there was also a buyer who was buying batteries for boats in oh, BCF. Right. Now, they had not actually spent much time together, but they got there was a massive cost saving in them working together and being able to negotiate a better deal on, on boat oh. and on batteries. <laughs> wow, so, yeah. yeah. So it was looking across, a lot of it was looking across product lines, um, getting them to collaborate and think and come up with ways and strategies to be able to create uh, better cost effectiveness or gener- it was either cost saving or re- revenue generating activities. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really cool. And then a big part of it was building um, a coaching capability within the organisation. Yeah. And to be able to get them empowered to be able to bring that, um, those skills and that talent through as well. 
Absolutely. And I mean, as a coach, you know that I'm a huge advocate for getting leaders to coach their teams because I think it's one of the best hands-on skills a coach can have in terms of empowering uh, both the teams and themselves. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned earlier around working with the leadership across the different organisations on their leadership identity and, you know, who, who they are and what it is that they stand for. Can you touch a little bit on that? I guess for today's leaders, when we are in this world where, you know, six months, probably no one at the moment is thinking six month mark, they might move on. But can we talk a little bit around how as a leader, you identify your own, your own identity? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a different challenge than it was, I think even today compared to 10 years ago. So if you look at, there's a, there's, his name escapes me. So there's a gentleman who did some research. He's one of the world leading researchers. His name will come to me around what creates identity, first of all. Yeah. So, and, and when identity forms. So years ago, you know, you used to, your identity was formed formally when you were 18 years old, because now mm-hmm. you're formally an adult. Yeah. And, and as a result of that, then that's how society sees you. Um, because that was typically the marriage age many years ago and that's sort of how it started. But today the marriage, so the marriage age many years ago was sort of around 23 or the late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but today the marriage age is typically around 30. And mm-hmm. so what that means is that over that time, if you compare to many years ago, identity was formed as a result of not having a lot of choices. So that's why you, people got married younger. So, yeah. you know, they, if you think about when you finished school back then, you know, you didn't have gap years and you didn't have TAFE and you didn't have, you know, you didn't have apprenticeships and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But today we've got all that. Then on top of that, you've also got social platforms that form identities and create opportunities, but also a lot of problems for mm. some people as well. Mm-hmm. But what that does mean is that people have exposure to other forms of validation of their identity. So that takes longer. And so what that means for organisations, particularly for leaders, so in the case that I had where millennials, 75% of the workforce and the leaders were millennials, was the problem was who am I? Yeah. <laughs> because of all these social forces. Mm-hmm. As, and so what that means is that, you're um, trying to work out as a result where does my purpose and my and who I am and what am I trying to achieve here and so otherwise what happens is it just becomes focused on how much am I paid and that's not Mm. the identity that we want Mm. Um, and that's not a validator and we know from the research if we look at you know Jess Price Jones and her work around the science of happiness at work and all that sort of stuff that that does not equal engagement is just simply knowing that you're being paid well. So that was really a big part of that. So to help people to form their identity was a big part was starting to delve into um, their brand and how brand is formed. So um, the exact same thing that we do for an organisation, vision, values, Yeah. Um, all that same stuff and and you know at the end of the day we're all an entity and a business in ourselves we we sell our time for you know it just happens that our employer is our number one customer you know yep. is this the customer we want to work with so a big part of that was actually helping those leaders to say well you know I, I sell my time in exchange for my services and helping them feel like well I this is not it can be a bit disempowering sometimes feeling like you're owned by the organization but this yeah. is about What's your identity and who do you sell your time to? 
yeah and, um, yeah and empowering them to feel a little bit more in their in their identity and what they are and what they're trying to do yeah I love that take on it so I talk a lot around leadership mindset but I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you start actually thinking about how it is that you are selling your time to your organization then it automatically means that you need to step into that position whether it's leadership by title or leadership by you know by mindset and actually getting stuff done and owning your own role I think that's really a really interesting way to think about it can you talk a little bit around I know thought leadership is is your gem can you talk a little bit around what it is that defines thought leadership yeah so and I think even a step before that can kind of be what is even a thought leader so yes and uh so because it's one thing to have thought leadership but then there's also another around that identity again around you as a thought leader and so my background I've spent um seven years in thought leaders business school and I was one of the first group to go through there with uh the one and only Matt Church so for some may uh, some of your listeners may know who he is he created thought leaders business school uh he's written a lot of books on it and he's probably the person who's created you know the most personal brands I guess in the country and he his definition of a thought leader he says that Uh, and I really like his definition, he says that if you're a thought leader, like if you're an expert or you're a subject matter expert, you know something, and a thought leader is known for knowing something. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's just a bit of a distinction between it's one thing to know something, but it's it's quite different to be known for knowing something. Yeah. And so, and that takes a, a bit of courage and a bit of bravery to put yourself out there to do that. And then... What leads on to the second part of that question is, so what is thought leadership? If you're going from there to going, okay, if I am a thought leader, then the question is, so what do you think? And as a real distinction, I guess we run, you know, we do content club yeah. and content creation boot camp, so I teach content creation. But when you're starting to step into thought leadership is that the question is, is about how do you advance the thinking in the field? So if you're an expert in, you know, resilience, then you've got, you're aggregating, you're you're looking at people like the Brene Browns and the Margie Worrells and the Thich Nhat Hanh and, you know, all those people and you're going, well, and what do I think about that? And do you agree and do you not agree? And what do you build on? And you say, well, I like a bit of that and a bit of that, but I disagree with that bit. I think it's this. Yeah. And it can sometimes bring in some modelling and, and to really, you're, you're levelling up and advancing the thinking and yeah. taking, it, taking it forward. Yeah. I think you touched on something um, which I think is absolute gold. So I'm going to point it out in case mm. anyone missed it that was listening. And it was around positioning yourself as a thought leader, so being mm. known for knowing something. And whilst I think from an employee perspective and when you do work within an organisation, you're like, oh, you know, that's more of a business thing. But now that you've said that, being known for knowing something, I think we're probably all at some unique level known for knowing something within all within organisations. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about how how is it that you become known for knowing something? Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great question. So the first question is, is who do you want to be known by? So oh, love it. Who do you want to be known by? That's good. <laughs> because, and I'm sure you find this, you know, which alludes to your question around because not everybody wants to be a New York Times bestseller. Not everybody wants to be on, you know, but it, and it might be more so that you don't want to leave your job or anything like that. I don't want to be a thought leader and start a practice and I don't want all that. 
but I really love what I do and I really want to be able to advance the thinking, but I want to stay within my organisation. I love, you know, being in that space. So I think a good example of, of something like that is an organisation we're working with at the moment. And there's one particular leader I've got in there who there's two elements to it. One is that they don't, they like the organisation, they don't want to leave, but they've sort of got to a point in their career where they don't want to be the CEO and, but they have so much knowledge and so much expertise and there's, they're a great coach and all that sort of thing. And so there's an opportunity for them to position themselves in uh, not just within the organisation but in the industry but still stay within the organisation. So in other words, based on their knowledge, you know, they can, they're writing a blog and, again, they've said, I don't want to leave my job. This is just my creative outlet. This is my interest, my passion. And so as a result, what's happening is that they are sharing their expertise in a way that's not, you know, that you've got, see today, as you know, we've got Yammer, we've got te- Microsoft Teams, we've yeah. got Facebook Workplace, the platforms that are created. <clears throat> I think a really good example of this is Heineken. Yeah. So Heineken had the chief brewer. I don't know if you've heard this story, but the chief brewer in Heineken, when they were building, when they put in uh, Facebook Workplace, they were trying to work out the group architecture of how they were going to do it. And they started with, well, who are the thought leaders? Who are the key influencers? Uh, Yes. Because that will drive, who are the people who are most passionate about their expertise because they've got to drive the content and the thought leadership. So they started with the chief brewer and because that's such a core part of the brand and everybody loves, you know, beer in there, but particularly the brewers from the other countries. So he started the first group and would share all his tips and passions and curating and saying, you know, we should be doing this and he'd speak at some conferences. And so as a result, it cultivated this passion and excitement, but it wasn't driven from the CEO and it doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. It's from someone who is the expert in there, but he didn't want to leave Heineken and he felt so much connection with the brand, but he was, and again, it's not just knowing something, but him being known for knowing something and being able to share that passion and expertise with others in the organisation. So I always think of, you know, someone like that that we're, and, yeah. it does, and they can go on to be able to speak at conferences, you know, they can write a blog, do all those things, um, but not necessarily, and the organisation benefits yeah. um, because it's great positioning for the organisation because people go, wow, what if that could be me? Maybe yeah. I could work there. I could achieve my potential and yeah. um, I could be fully self-expressed in my career yeah. And I think Irene, Dr. Rena Yashinshaw talks, who is um, an expert in innovation and creativity. She's based here in Brisbane and she's the founder of the Entrepreneur Institute. And she describes these people as entrepreneurs. Uh, I think of them as internal thought leaders, but they're almost like got an entrepreneurial mindset, but within the organisation. I hadn't heard that term before. I'm going to have to check that out. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so with your Heineken person, obviously, if you're the head brewer, then you've got some, you've got a bit of street cred already. But yeah. if you are not yet, you know, at, in charge of an entire section or a department, where do you think leaders need to get started? You know, they're like, you know what, I think I know a thing or two. I'm really passionate about my role. I'm passionate about my company. I want to do better. I want to show up. What, yeah. what do you think would be step one? Yeah, I reckon one place would be to start is think about a project that you would like to work on. So, and so to give you an example, there was one client I worked with who was really committed to, she created this really great project in the compliance area of this organisation. And she, 
That sounds um, fun. And I know she loved it, <laughs> not my cup of tea, but she was amazing at it and she was so passionate about it and she created some amazing results and, and it was really innovative what she did. So she reduced the amount of questions that were asked in the call centre or in, in the customer help desk, like the metrics and everything behind it were amazing and she was just so passionate about it. So, but she chose that as, she didn't consciously choose this for it to become, to go down this path. But what happened was as a result of that project was not only the recognition she got in the organisation to say this is, you know, she's the expert, Kelly's the expert. If you want to know about compliance, go talk to Kelly. And But what she did was she shared that success in the Compliance Institute. So is So the other part to that is thinking about your tribe and the communities that you're around and who you can lead. So you've got leading within your organisation. But yeah. also, you know, if you think about rising tides, they say rising tides float all boats. Yeah. So yeah. not seeing your uh, peers as threats but as a way to share and collaborate and share your experiences. So she went on to, she went on to, she shared that case study at their conference. She also happened to win an award for it. Yeah, um, wow. And so that created then back in the organisation the influence in yep. there that mm-hmm. she was more heard because yeah. of the credibility of these things happening if yep. that makes sense yeah absolutely and I think once you've got a bit of credit outside of the organization it's almost like it's harder to get the credibility when you're within there you know you can't see the label from inside the jar and when you start getting some of that external recognition and the accolades that's when it becomes far more obvious that this is actually some unique thought thought leadership so just on that note and Mm. this is a bit of a loaded question because I'm fairly sure I know what you're going to (laughs) say whereabouts do you think you know how important is LinkedIn having an online presence if you are in a leadership role or looking to get into a leadership role around positioning yourself yeah good question so a couple of things so LinkedIn and first of all I get LinkedIn is a very vulnerable place to be you know okay I think there's two things. It's very vulnerable and exposed and there's a lot of fear with putting your thoughts and ideas out there. There's the imposter syndrome that kicks in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if what I've got to say is good enough. Who would listen to me? Would anybody even pay attention? What if nobody likes it? Um, And what if I get trolled? And equally, what if I say the wrong thing and my employer gets upset? What if I sabotage my career? You know, there's all this fear that comes with that. So the first thing I would say is LinkedIn is really powerful and it's a massive opportunity for you to position yourself to be known for what you want to be known for. Yeah. The other thing too that is an opportunity is is by putting your thinking out there is that it's not just not just you as the leader in your your brand, but it's you as the brand ambassador. And Uh, so you know your what's happening is that whatever you're saying is actually the the brand's behavior and values that mm. are coming through in what you're saying so mm. and we do know that 75% of job seekers will go and stalk you on linkedin <laughs> that you've got advertised at the moment but and that's a key part of it is because the question because as a leader your job is to say well i'm representing the brand i've got to attract great talent um, and, you know, people are looking at, there's people who are lurkers and looking at what you're saying. So there's a talent attraction and what people are saying about you. But it's a, a big part of it is also about creating the narrative and taking control of the narrative. Yeah. So if there's nothing there or if your profile, 
looks like an obituary. <laughs> yeah. You're positioned to just get more of what you've had in the past. You if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Yeah. So yeah. if you're clear about where you want to go and what you want to do next, if you can position your profile that way and be writing content about that, yeah. then you're more likely to track those opportunities. Yeah, cool. Uh, this is probably another loaded question as well. So when we're talking about taking control of the narrative and creating content, I think it, this is, again, one of those other things. If you're um, looking to become known for what you know, where do you get started uh, with this? I know I'm part of your content club, which is amazing. Can you maybe explain a little bit about how that works um, for your clients, your yeah. content creators? Yeah. yeah, and we do content club uh, within organisations too. We do content oh, cool. creation boot camps within organisations too yeah. um, because leaders are having to, you know, do more video on, on their internet platforms and things like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, that is scary. I think sometimes it's actually more scary to do it within an organisation than it is out on LinkedIn sometimes. People yeah. do feel more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things. One I would say is if you want to get started in this space and you're thinking, Okay, I think I've got something here, but I, I don't know if it's good enough or anything like that. One is that we have content clubs. So, yeah, what yep. we do is uh, we jump on and we get together once a month for two hours and we create 10 pieces of content in two hours. So, and in that two hours is Ali's one of my victims. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. We've got an amazing community. And, and the big thing is, the, is actually just getting around a group of people who are going through the same experience as you because if you're collaborating and sharing, you actually start to realise that you've actually got some pretty good stuff. And, and also to be able to say, oh, I, I can't think of where's the research on this or has anyone seen any research on this particular stuff or you know, high-performing teams or and someone, someone will say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, you need to go and have a look at this person's work. Here's the link. And, you know, so the first thing I would say is get around some people who are doing that already. And yeah. Because it'll yeah. help you to get a sense of what they're doing and you can start to imagine what it might look like for you. So Content Club's cool um, and, we, and I'll share at the end, you know, you, people can jump in and do spend some time with us and I cost if they want to. But equally within an organisation, so we come in and, and do content creation boot camps where we create, get in and do six months worth of content in a day. Yeah, and, cool. Uh, yeah, and so that way they go, great, I, I come in, I'm planned, I know what I want, I know what my content topics are. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little bit of pre-work that we do to get people ready and then in a day they get in and knock it out and then they've got all the content strategy and the pieces of the puzzle done and then all they have to do is start doing the videos or whatever they, they want to do. So, yeah, it, and the confidence really builds over time. So what I would encourage people to do, one is get around the right people and the second one is, I would, the other one I would say is, uh, is get past the perfection. Don't, ah, um, yes, take some imperfect action. You, yeah, just get well. a bit, you know, just have a go and don't, I think what holds people back is they see others doing it amazingly and perfectly and they, they don't see that back when they started and yes. uh, so I just really encourage people to get in have a go and just and and I get that's vulnerable but get around the right people and it'll make you feel safe and and you'll be able to get started
And uh, you're right, I am one of your victims, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that. I absolutely love uh, Content Club where we catch up for once a month. And it's amazing. When I first started, I was feeling quite vulnerable. Like, you know, who am I to be showing up in amongst this, this group of people who are, are knocking out this really cool stuff? And uh, what I am coming to realize and coming to learn is that we're all sort of in that, not, I wouldn't necessarily say the imposter syndrome space, but you, I don't think you recognize how unique your thoughts are until you start sharing them. And people are like, oh, I hadn't thought about it from that way. Whereas you kind of get in your own head, I call it head junk, you get in your own head around, you know, what it is that you're, you're talking about and don't think it's actually that unique. Whereas in actual fact, the, the reverse is true that, you know, the things yeah. that we are thinking and the things that we want to be known for are uh, very much our own flavor and our own own lens so i love content club as jane mentioned i'll put some put a link in the show notes for content club if you want to check it out because it is uh super super fun and uh i love setting aside my two hours a month to to smash out some work so before we wrap things up jane what would be your top five tips for any of our listeners who are looking to you know become known for what they know or you know move into that thought thought leader space, thought leadership space, what are your top five tips? Yeah, cool. I reckon the first one is, and you touched on before, is your brand. Like, who are you? And but and your identity. And it can be more about not necessarily where you are now, but where you're trying to go. So you could be, re, maybe you're repositioning. Maybe you want to be known for something different than what you're known for now. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be what you are now. Is Think about 12 to 18 months you know, three years, what would that look like and what would that identity look like and what would you want to be talking about in that time? So you've got to position you to, to move that way. So the first thing is identity. Who are you, where you're trying to go, which kind of comes with clarity as well. Yeah. Um, and when you're thinking about a leader as in an organisation is in that next 12 to 18 months, what would that look like for you? Do you want to be working on specific projects? Are you looking to orient yourself towards a p- particular um, uh, role? Like what are the steps that need to um, get you there? The second one is then you touched on it is content. So what do I need to do? What do I need to, what's the content that I need to create to make that happen? Now you might say it might not be a blog. It actually might be presentations. It might be it, it could be workshops, it could be coaching programs, I don't know, it could be just so many things. Content isn't just a blog. It fits into so many different parts that it can um, fit in. It could be maybe it's, you know, as part of your specific technical area, it could be contributing to your community, which then leads to the next one is create a community. So start to work out who are the people who I lead. So you've got your team and that's one part of your your brand and maybe that is the community and the sort of um, tribe that you need to lead it maybe there's also a part of your expertise or maybe it's even you know when I don't know if you find this Ali but I find sometimes people in organizations and even leaders will say oh there's nothing for us to get together or there's nothing that builds our connections that you know I feel isolated or yeah. I feel like it's just me So take the lead, create the community, be the leader of that community. Don't sit back and wait. Those things make, uh, really do make you known. And you might say, look, I'm going to create a real community about maybe you're really passionate about like your work, like it might be around courage or courageous conversations or fear. And that's how you get known because you're the person who runs the courageous conversation group in the organisation. You're the champion. So be the champion for some of those types of projects and you'll be known for that. The other two that I've got is uh, read. 
So, and I know that doesn't sound very exciting, but what happens when you read, most people will read, you know, they'll say, I don't have time to read a book, but typically about a, you know, a 200 page book can typically be read in about an hour and a half. And that's what most people are spending on social media each day. So you can get through a book and but the power of a book and the power of reading is it helps you to form your opinions. And when you've got reading that like that you, it allows you to see if you agree, you disagree, you can start to aggregate some thinking and, and that's what helps gives you the confidence and the courage to, to start to put some thinking out there. So um, definitely reading for all my clients and Ali knows she's probably heard me say this a hundred times that in our community, I really encourage our community to be reading a book a week and you might not get, and I get that sounds a lot and we might not get through a whole book, but, you know, download Blinkist or, you know, some of the book summaries, you know, work out which are the ones that you need to read. So I'd really encourage people to do that. And then the third, uh, the last one I'd encourage people to do is one of the best thought leadership and positioning activities you can do is so create a yeah, platform cool. for yourself find a way and you might say well speak does that mean speaking on stages we're in covid what are you talking about we have youtube channels we have all those types of things so create a platform for yourself whether it's a physical platform or a digital platform and share your expertise share your knowledge and and talk because what happens is when you talk is that people, you tap into a unique essence and your energy of who you are. And that bit is what can't be, is that can't be replicated. That's, that's the bit. You might have a lot of knowledge, but your expertise, uh, your essence combined with your expertise is what will set you apart. I love that so much. And as you know, I'm a huge reader and, and love, a, love a speaking gig um, as well. <laughs> but just to recap some of those. So um, the first one was around, you know, getting, getting clear and cl- getting more clarity around your brand and identity and who you are and where you want to be and, and future pacing that as well. So mm. checking in if you need to pivot, you know, content and it doesn't necessarily have to be blogs. It can be things, you know, like pre- pre- presentations, perhaps you're writing a research paper on whatever happens what it happens to be um creating a community so you've got your team that you work with your immediate tribe and then start and i love how this could potentially work in the the example you gave with the silos and the batteries from earlier in the episode is start looking for some of these problem problematic things that are happening within the organization and and become the problem solver and reading of course and uh, we'll touch on reading in just one one sec as well and then speaking and this doesn't necessarily have to be at your agm it could even be saying hey i'm going to do something for five minutes at a board meeting or i'm going to do something for five minutes at this other executive leadership meeting or or whatever it happens to be and just on the topic of reading I know that you are a huge reader you share a resource every week which is amazing but you are actually the author of how many books seven seven (laughs) lucky seven and uh, I've noticed just recently on your socials that you have been busy in the post or with the post what what have you been sending out I am I'm best friends with um the post uh, the posters post office with um, delivering so many because normally I have my team here helping me pack up all the books and then the borders are closed because they normally come in and we do a big you know, Congo line and we're packing everything. And so I'm slow as anything doing it myself because <laughs> I've got to sign all the books. So yeah, I recently wrote the book uh, Catalyst Content and yes. it's about how to create 
a world-class piece of thought leadership in less than 10 minutes and how yeah. to leverage it 99 ways, which is what we do in Content Club. Yeah. Um, and so I teach people how to, uh, a framework to be able to get their ideas out of their head uh, really quickly. And then and that includes things like even just how to research things fast, how to get good quotes, how to get good stories, and how to have a point of view and what is it that you actually think and how to get your thinking and your opinion going and give you a voice. And then as a result of that, what I found, and you wrote, so what happened was a lot of people would say, how do you write so many books? And I'd, I'd explain the process and and then as a result, it just sort of started that I go, do you want me to teach you this? Because <laughs> I found some people were getting a little bit stuck and frustrated. And so as a result, this book and the program that you're in yeah. uh, with Content Club kind of evolved because I, it was just something that people started to need help with. And, I, and before you know it, that's what we're doing. So, and the, But the book has got a framework in it that you can have a go at and, and to be able to get a go at having a go at putting that, those ideas down and then and and leveraging it. So the thing is that I th what I find for a lot of people is they feel like, particularly if they sit down to write something, they're reinventing the wheel every time. Yeah, and right. So my experience has been is if you can create a really good piece of content, it's you just need one, and think once and use it often. Yeah. So if you're creating a great piece of content is we can create a blog out of it for sure, but you could create a diagnostic out of it, a questionnaire, yeah. a survey. You could create a white paper like the research paper you talked about. You could do a video. You could do a podcast. And I found that we can generally leverage a piece of content across 40 different, up to about yeah. 40 different ways. I've put in the book 33 Yep. And then, and then using three different modes, which is podcasting, video, and written. Yep. And then it's so like thirty-three times three is ninety-nine. <laughs> yeah, wow. So that's a lot. That's a lot of content that you can essentially. It get is out a lot of, of content. Yeah, bank talk about bang for buck. And I'll put the I'll put the link in for Catalyst content into the show notes for anyone who would like to order that as well. I have absolutely loved having you on today's uh, today's show, Jane. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your absolute uh, golden nuggets. I think, you know, anyone who's listening to this who is thinking that they would like to be known for what they know should definitely go and check you out at uh, jane-anderson.com. And if you are interested in the content club, do the forward slash content club. But thank you, Jane, uh, so much for your time today. It's been awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. And just on that with the content club is on that page, I've got this, um, you can come and join us for a month for free. So if you yeah. want to come along, jump in, see what we do and hang out and, you know, have a go at it, you're most welcome to. So jump on the page there, just register and you can jump in for free for a month and check it out. Amazing. Thank you. Thank I think you. that people should definitely jump on that because it is super fun and uh, very good use of two hours of your time. So thank you so much, Jane. I've loved it. Thanks, Thanks so much, Ali. I really appreciate it. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, Ali.MadeForMore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.